I would add, there's nothing wrong with the church growing in size because sure. the, the, often the bigger church gets, the more resources they can invest in church sure. planting. But it's much like, you know, what we teach on, you know, we tell our kids about tithing. If you don't tithe on your first paycheck from the grocery store, you'll never tithe when you're a millionaire, right? <laughs> and I think the same thing's true of church planting. If, if you know, if you, if you start off when you're running a couple hundred and if you're serious about planting, if the Lord allows your church to get to, to 2,000, you're gonna have that much more money and mm. that many more people to continue to plant. Welcome to the Send Columbus podcast, a podcast designed to share strategies and stories about planting churches in the city. Your hosts are Church Planting Catalyst, Chad Grigsby, and Sin City Missionary, Dean Foles. Welcome back to the Send Columbus podcast. I am Chad Grigsby, the Church Planting Catalyst here in Columbus with Send Network. And with me is our Send City Missionary, Dean Folks. How are you, Dean? Doing well, doing well today. And we are grateful for Chili Verde and their sponsorship of the podcast today. You know, they have two locations in Columbus. And they're not just like typical Tex-Mexy, like go get a taco kind of food. They're Southwestern American food. And we are grateful for how they support our plants and our planters and our assessment retreats. Um, so they're they're good friends and good partners. So if you have the opportunity to check out Chili Verde while you're in Columbus, please do that. And I will introduce our guest today is Matt Mars, who is the regional director for the Midwest for the SEND Network. And Matt and I have been friends now for over a decade. We were both SEND City missionaries um, for a while before the North American Mission Board recognized that Matt was better at his job than I am. And so they promoted <laughs> him. <laughs> now he is over oversees all of the work church planting in the Midwest. And um, uh, Matt, I would begin with pleasantries. Um, but, you know, yeah, actually, you know, there's a lot of people who may know you and not know they know you. Matt has famous children. <laughs> he has twin boys. What What is the name of their band, Matt? State Line Drive. State Line Drive. They play um, the most important shows throughout the Midwest which are state fairs, right? Those are, those are the most important shows uh, in our part of the country, and they do a fantastic job. Two wonderful young fellows. They are twins, and then Matt has a daughter, and I'm going to botch this, but I'm going to guess it's at Huntington. Is that right, Matt? No, she's uh, in Pittsburgh State in Pittsburgh, mm. Kansas. Or Pittsburgh. The gorillas. Yeah. Are they the, are that, is that the gorillas? That's the gorillas. That's right. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. She's in her second year down there. Awesome. And uh, just got her moved back last week, and she started classes last week. Yeah, and Matt's wife is Carrie, and uh, like the rest of us, he outkicked his coverage uh, (laughs) there and the woman that he married. Um, But, Matt, um, specifically, there's a couple of things that I was hoping for you to talk about on the podcast. Obviously, as much as anybody as we've ever had on the podcast, you have a feel for church planting across a number of states, uh, across a number of ethnicities and cities. And um, one of the things that I appreciate the most about your leadership is that you have the uh, unique ability to take a system, uh, a church planting system, but help people feel empowered inside of a system. Um, 
I think over and over again, I've heard about you that people appreciate your leadership because you prioritize people inside of the context of system. So could you just talk about that a little bit in terms of how you lead? I think it would be beneficial to certainly to me, but to all of our listeners. Well, it's all about people, right? Like the, the systems are there to serve people, not, not the other way around. And I think we all just have to realize that the gospel has been expanding and churches have been being planted for 2000 years before they had much of what we have today in terms of our understanding or our philosophies or our models or our tools. And at the same time, the, the gospel expanding church is being planted around the world even today. So we need to not think so much of ourselves and our developments and what we've come up with. Uh, we need to step back and realize we're only just kind of running our lap in all of this right now in our part of the world. And it is always about the people, right? It's always about, I mean, what's the most important thing to see in a church get planted is going to be that planter. And and I think I, you know, as a pastor years ago, it, it dawned on me that we had people that could, you could give them the best room and the best time slot and the best resources to plant a small group. And another guy could, could plant a small group in a broom closet at 7 a.m. and the thing <laughs> would blow up, right? Uh, and uh, we our education people always make a big deal of models and tools and resources and having the optimal square footage and right. and so forth. But you get the right person and mm. they're going to just make disciples and develop people and gather people. Mm. And the same thing's true with church planting. You find the right church planter and um, that's, that's 90% of it. I, I think everyone can be better, um, but this... Some some guys are a, an eight is gonna you can our system can make that guy a nine but no system in the world is gonna make a four turn into an eight right mm. and uh, yep. so it's all about finding the right people investing the right in the right people and turning them loose. Yeah, that's awesome, Matt. Thanks for that um, insight. You know, Dean talks about a lot when we meet with a potential church planter that the kind of most important thing in the successful failure of a, of a church plant is the planter and his spouse. So that, that kind of intangible, who is this? Is he, you know, what, what kind of competencies does he have? And then what is their emotional, spiritual health? So to echo your, your thoughts, that's uh, yeah, that's really, really, really great. Um, so yeah, I think, I think the planter, his spouse, and then the first followers, the first mm. people they put around them, right? Yeah. Because one thing I've learned is people don't necessarily follow leaders as much as they follow the first followers, right? Like, mm, like, yes, it, it's like, I can say, let's go do something. And it's when the first two or three people say, yeah, we're with you, that then the rest of the people follow. It, it takes those first two or three, and you got to get the, not just the right planter, but the right initial team. Who mm. is that guy, his wife, and those early followers that gather around him? I think that's going to set the tone for where it's headed. Yeah, that's great. Um, just on a little bit of a personal note, I know we kind of started with the church planting stuff, but how did you w get into the realm of church planting and what was your kind of entry point into that? How did you get to being regional director in the Midwest? Yeah, you know, here's the 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 irony of it. I've never planted a church uh, to be in the role I'm in. And I was, it's always been from the seat of sending church pastor. So that, that's because you're not crazy, man. That's why you, you've never yeah. planted church. <laughs> I keep thinking one of these days I ought to, you know, and, and um, 
in March, March will be 25 years that my wife, Carrie, and I have been at our church, Northland Baptist wow. Church, in one capacity or another. That's awesome. And um, yeah, yeah, 25 years. And I think, gosh, one of these days, I probably ought to go plant something. But, <laughs> um, it, you know, it, it's, it, you just keep, we keep sending people out. And every time mm. I think, man, I want to go with that group. And we go, nope, nope, let's stay here and just send out the next group. But one of these days, maybe I'll make that leap and, and go with one of our teams. But I got involved, honestly, um, <laughs> originally I was a student in college and I had to have um, the second year of Spanish and one other class. I just needed three hours of anything. Mm. And there was a class immediately following Spanish two in the building right next door. And it happened to be a church planting class. I didn't know anything about church planting other than I wanted to go to Spanish, go to one more class and go home and wrap up this final short <laughs> semester and be done with college. So that's the only reason that's my first introduction with span uh, to church planting was just this class looks simple and, um, <laughs> yeah, and it looked, awesome. it, as far as my schedule goes. So that was my first exposure and um, fell in planting, the idea of planting. And then um, not long after that, it's like very early in my ministry as a pastor, I heard a story of a man whose church had planted a lot of churches and he passed away suddenly. And over the course of the next year or two, his church that he pastored went down in attendance while all of the other plants continued to grow. And wow. it was just a light bulb that went on that if I just, you know, step out in front of a FedEx truck today or whatever, uh, I don't know what will happen to our church that I was leading, but the more churches we had planted, the greater chances that something of what I started would carry on without me. Oh. And um, just decided then that at the end of my life, if I had the choice between um, being the pastor of a church that ran two or 3000 or being the pastor of a church that planted 20 churches, I would take the latter. And, uh, so that's what we've been committed to at Northland where I've served in, in different roles there. It's always been about church planting for us. And when can we send out the next group to plant yeah. um, really, maybe it's selfish. I don't know, it, but it, it's just about legacy. I know at the end of my life, I want to know that I'm leaving something behind and uh, we see a lot of big buildings that are that are empty years later, right? Uh, but the more churches we can plant, the greater our efforts will be multiplied when we're not here anymore. Yeah, it's the it's the power of multiplication, isn't it? Um, right. You know, and when we're when we're long gone, our children's children's children are, Lord willing, still going to be here, right? And so it's same same principle in church planting it because every church has a life cycle, and not every church is going to live forever. Um, but, but it's that multiplication that allows you to, 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 to live on. And then your reach gets bigger, right? Like, um, you know, I think about life point here, life point could keep growing bigger and bigger here, but in planting campuses, we reach twice as many people. Uh, so it's really, really a powerful statement about, about and, and multiplication. That's it. There is, I would add, there's nothing wrong with the church growing in size because sure. the, the, so often the bigger church gets, the more resources they can invest in sure. church planting. But it's much like, you know, what we teach on, you know, we tell our kids about tithing. If you don't tithe on your first paycheck from the grocery store, you'll never tithe when you're a millionaire. Right. <laughs> and I think the same thing's true of church planting. If, if, you know, if you, if you start off when you're running a couple hundred and if you're serious about planting, if the Lord allows your church to get to, to 2000, you're going to have that much more money and mm. that many more people to continue to plant. And so it's not a really about, uh, if a church is big, it doesn't mean they weren't about planting. If a church is small, it doesn't mean they can't be involved in planting. But whatever size you are, you've got to be about multiplication. Seems like there's a there's like a 
person who made a comment about that, like a verse or something. Faithful in little, faithful in much. Is that the? <laughs> yeah, it's a really great. It's a really great principle. I, I think it is true. I think you know. I think that's part of where that kind of uh, concept comes. If you don't get invested in church planting early, you might not ever do it as a church plant. You know, is is do you right? Think- right. You know, we 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 got, we've got to stop the if and when language that we use when we talk about church planting. If if we get to three hundred, we'll plant. Mm. When we get our building paid off, we'll plant. That's what I hear so often from pastors. Hmm. is if this happens, then we'll plant, or when this happens, we will plant. And you just got to strike those phrases from your vocabulary and just say, we're, we're going to plant. Now, sometimes there's a time that's better than another time. A lot of sending churches are tapping their brakes right now because of COVID, hmm. um, because they're just a little nervous about how do we plant in this environment. Um, and so, some aren't. I know we're, we're marching forward, but but we're with our two plants that we're going to do this year, but we're, we're in kind of a unique situation with our, the way we do our staff and some other things with our finances that we're not sweating too much what COVID, how COVID might impact that. But you, there are going to be momentary things we have to determine is this strategic right now, but you can't sit there for five years thinking when we get to this point, we'll think about planting. Yeah. Do you mind talking about your church and your leadership structure and kind of how you guys arrived at that? It's kind of unique. I think it's interesting. Yeah, I was uh, I was the pastor of our church for many years, and I stepped away to do what uh, what I'm doing now, not directly, but it led to the journey of what I'm doing now. And um, was in a Starbucks one night with a seminary professor who attends our church. We were talking about church planting and just kind of brainstorming models of leadership. Uh, a lot of you know with, with church planting, a lot of times the big hurdle financially is the a pastor trying to make a full-time salary and benefits, take care of his family. And in the early days, and, and I was just brainstorming solutions to that and said, could a church be led by a team of pastors who co-led and who didn't need to be paid a full-time salary? And it just led to a lot of hypothetical conversation of what that would look like to lead a church that way. During that time, the pastor who followed me at our church left the search committee had kind of stalled out. And so Rustin and I went to the search committee and said, Hey, we have this idea. We talked about it at a Starbucks a few weeks ago. You want to try it? <laughs> and uh, so now we're in year six of that model, wow. which is an intentional vote, uh, intentional co-vocational model. So mm-hmm. we have 11 staff at our church and we're not a large, to give you just perspective pre COVID, we would average about 350 in worship. Mm. Um, but we had 11 staff and none of them are wow. full-time six of those are pastoral staff and five are support staff mm. and, um, everybody does something else. And then we, um, we just collaborate. And so for that reason, a very, a, a much smaller percent of our budget is tied up in personnel and, um, a, a tiny slice of our budget is tied up in any one person. So um, it would be pretty easy if you got in a situation where we had to make some adjustments, somebody could very easily, and, and really very few of those 11 depend on that money to feed their families. And yeah. so um, most of our 11 could just simply say, hey, don't pay me for a few months. If it ever got into thing like where COVID was, it's either, you know, uh, we're going to have to hit the brakes on some missions things because of it. Because of it. So it's been a great model for us. It, there's definitely hurdles to it. And uh, if anybody ever want to learn more about that, I could share what we've learned in six years of doing it that way. I'd be happy to tell our story. If anyone said uh, the main thing we learned is 
I think bivocational ministry and team ministry have to be married. Mm-hmm. These guys that are trying to say they're a bivocational church planter, they're they're just running themselves ragged out there trying to work a full-time job, lead their family, plant a church. You have to do this as a team or a team of guys say we're going to we're going to co-lead this thing. So no one person bears the weight of all of this in addition to working another job. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I that sounds like another podcast to me. We'll have to have Matt Mars version two or part two, where you come and talk about the 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 way you guys are leading and and structured your leadership at your church. Because I I find yeah, that fascinating. I and because I, I think it's yeah. a I think it's a great model for yeah. the future uh, in a lot of ways. It's not perfect. I would never say a church should fire their full-time pastor and do what we do. I, I don't even know if it's better than, you know, yeah. uh, it, it may be far worse than other models, but it's our model and it yeah. works for us. And if anyone else felt like it was a workable model for them, we'd be happy to, to share what we've learned. Yeah. And there, there's no perfect models, you know, out there in general. So, uh, so that's really cool. Yeah. We'll have to do that. Uh, before we uh, let you go though, can you give us a feel for what kind of churches that we're planting through Sin Network in the Midwest right now? A feel for what kind of churches? Yeah, what kind of churches? This is this is uh, this was not on the pre-approved list of questions, so I'm throwing that out you at you spur of the moment. Yeah, but, yeah, but, no, no problem. I, you know, there's 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 all manner of churches being planted right now, but I would say what I'm most excited about is the growing focus on residencies and the growing focus on multiplying churches, churches that will just be committed to we're gonna constantly be bringing people in or raising people up from within. We want to have a pipeline that's full. We want to have a lot of guys on deck, a lot of teams on deck, and we want to be committed to every 18 months or maybe a year, maybe two years, but we want to always be saying, here's the next in line to be sent out from us. Um, that's what I'm most excited about. Uh, you, a lot of times we have a, you have a planter who wants to plant he is looking for someone to kind of adopt him as a sending church, and then he hits the ground running. And we're seeing far more success in terms of sustainability, in terms of health, um, in churches that are saying, we we will bring people in, we will help them be developed here, or we will discover from within either the planter or the team. Um, sometimes the planter might be a free agent that's brought in, but we're going to, we have a farm system of leadership in our church that we're, we're we're raising up to go with that planter. And, and we want to just see every 18 months, every two years, uh, we, we want to have the next thing going out. If we get more churches doing that, we could spin up the multiplication a whole lot quicker. Well, it, it has to be the future. I mean, because the, the pipeline of the independent planter who has a seminary degree, 10 years ministry experience who's just going to hit the field learn some church planting competencies and like a finishing school and then plant his church there's just not a lot of that low-hanging fruit anymore you know and so if we're not raising up from within plus the health of churches is better when we're raising up from within and sending out with teams versus the guy that just parachutes in with the experience i mean is that are there other factors besides that or do you see that the same thing or what around that well, I think we have to see churches that say we will. Okay, so you have on, on one end of the spectrum, you know, churches that will say these are venues of us and they'll always be venues of us. They'll always sort of like the moon 
orbits around the Earth. It's always going to be in our gravitational pull. You have on the other end, these guys that just parachute in with very little support. They might have a sending church, but it, sometimes at best, they're just laundering the money. Um, you know, <laughs> you, you, somewhere in the middle, I think, is this healthy model of you, you're our kid and we're going to be, we're going to be responsible for you. And, and you're going to be connected to us for a while. And then, but eventually you're going to be autonomous. You're going to, you're going to leave the nest and be on your own. And, and I think that's what we have to have. We have to have more churches that say, we will plant this and we will walk with this person for three or four or five years until they're really ready to fly on their own. And then we're going to let them fly on their own. Cause that's the other thing I see is, um, churches that have had a, a church plant that's been a venue of theirs, they finally let it go off and be autonomous. And then that church can um, begin multiplying itself. It doesn't always, the multiplication doesn't always just, just to spring from that one central multiplying church. Absolutely. Just to, to carry the metaphor, you know, we have three kids or our sons are 23. They're married now and we're excited about grandkids. You know, mm-hmm. I would have loved to have had eight kids. My wife was pretty happy with three. So we <laughs> held there. Um, at my age, I'm not going to have five more kids. So now I've shifted to like, all right, I tell my guys, I want 12 grandkids. Y'all split <laughs> it up amongst yourselves. You guys work out the math, but I want some grandbaby. You know, now you're at that. Now I think church need to see it that way. Let's plant yeah. as many, have as many kids as we can have. But ultimately, our family increases exponentially when our kids have kids. Absolutely. And so we need more churches that are thinking about, I want to be a multiplying church. I want to, I want to see churches planted out of us every couple of years, but our long-term dream is to see a bunch of grandkids out there. And I think when we have that heart and that vision, we're going to really see a lot of churches planted. Yeah. And not a lot of churches go beyond that. Let's have kids. You know what I mean? You're talking about level four, level five, multiplying churches. We don't always get there. And we, that's a great vision for saying, Hey, don't just have kids, you know, look, to have grandkids. Um, yeah, we're, we're going to launch out a, a church, Northside Fellowship. Taylor's our church planter. He's our resident right now. They'll land, land, launch sometime between January and Easter. They're not sure yet. Hmm. Uh, but even now, last week we had coffee. We were talking multiplication. We were talking who's the church planter. When you guys plant, who would be the guy? And what are you exposing that guy to even now? Um, as you know, they haven't even launched their church yet, but I want him thinking about the next one mm-hmm. already. Hey, Matt, one last thing before we wrap it up, um, really around that people philosophy that we kind of started talking about. If you were to say to planters, hey, here is one thing you need to think about in regards to your shepherding role as a planter when it comes to people, what would that one thing be? How would you encourage them? Well, I would say don't ever... um, I, I, was, I had a pastor one time of a very large church that I had lunch with. He had just come from visiting the hospitals. And I was a little surprised that a pastor of that size of a church did hospital visits. And he, I, I commented on that. And he said, you know, if you're too big to do little things, you'll always be too little to do big things. Wow. And that's always struck with me that I, I don't ever want to expect anyone to do something that I'm not doing. I want to model everything I'm expecting of our fellow staff or of our church leaders or our church members to always be modeling it. And I, I think if, you know, at the end of the, if I asked, if someone ever, you know, described to me and I thought, well, how would I want to be described? I, I would really want people to say man, he was the real deal. Like he, he, he did everything that he talked about. 
and he never called us to do something he wasn't doing. He did never, he never put something on, he never lectured anyone on Facebook on something that he wasn't <laughs> doing himself or whatever it might be. So I would say, uh, be authentic and don't expect anything of someone that you're not yourself uh, already doing. Are you not an advocate of lecturing people on Facebook? It seems so effective, Matt. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I just use that as an example. You'll, you'll, you'll see a lot of, whether it's a tweet, twi- uh, uh, excuse me, if it's a tweet or a blog or, or a sermon or whatever it might be, a lot of us, we have a lot of opinions, a lot of, a lot of things mm-hmm. that we're sharing, but man, are we living it out? Would, would someone say, um, man, that, that gets a lot of likes, a lot of retweets, but I've not really seen that activity in your life. And I would want people to be able to say anything they heard in the pulpit or saw me post or heard me ever say that they could say, yeah, he's the real deal. Like he was living that out for sure. Well, I would certainly say that that is true uh, of you, Matt. And that's why we wanted you to join us today. So we really, really uh, certainly appreciate uh, your time with us today. Chad, you got anything to uh, wrap us up? Yeah, no, just want to say thanks, Matt, and appreciate what you do for Sin Network, what you do uh, leading the Midwest. I know as uh, someone who serves in the Midwest, it's just awesome to work with you and get to uh, get to partner together for multiplication uh, in, in the Midwest. And yeah, just appreciate you very much. Well, I'm excited to be here with you guys and, and honored because I'm just excited to see what LifePoint is doing and how you guys model so much of what we've talked about in the last few minutes. You guys are modeling that. And many, many folks are looking at you. I hear, I hear Dean quoted oftentimes by other planters, things they've heard Dean say or they've seen LifePoint do. So I appreciate what you guys are doing to lead the way. Matt, do you ever hear church planters quote me? Uh, they're going to. <laughs> they're going to one day. oh thanks so much for your time matt we we really enjoy getting to visit with you appreciate you sharing your wisdom and experience with us and uh yeah we'll talk to you soon thanks guys have a great day thanks for checking out the send columbus podcast be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and join us next time for another episode